right, episode 38. And the first one of January 2020. One. Yes. <laughs> nice save. <laughs> also, Bitcoin's birthday. Bitcoin is now 12 years old because it was officially started in uh, 2009 on January 3rd. So today, in this episode, we are going to cover all of the questions that you have asked us in the past year, or last year, <laughs> about Bitcoin. Let's begin. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. All right. Question number one. It was sent to us by Jason, and it reads, how do I buy Bitcoin? There are several. This is the answer. <laughs> there are several ways to buy Bitcoin. One of the easiest ones, however, is to buy it on an exchange. An exchange is, um, well, as the name suggests, a place where you can exchange one thing for another. Cryptocurrency exchanges allow you to put in or give them your Canadian dollar, US dollar, Australian dollar, Indian rupees, wherever you are in the world. And then in exchange for that money, you are able to buy another asset. And in this case, Bitcoin. I kind of like to think of like a farmer's market when I'm thinking of an exchange. Uh, and the reason being is because we're all pretty familiar with taking money to the mall. The mall is an exchange or a farmer's market is an exchange, <laughs> right? You talked about the farmer's market and then you said it reminds me of going to the mall. Well, it does kind of, right? Because you're shopping for, for goods, right? But on in a cryptocurrency exchange, the goods that you're buying is other cryptocurrencies. Whereas like if you go to the mall, you might be shopping for electronics. And if you go to the farmer's market or the, the, uh, the grocery store, you're, you're shopping for food. You're, it is an exchange. It's just right a food on. exchange or the mall is an electronics exchange. So kind of like a marketplace. Exactly like yeah. a marketplace. So an exchange is a marketplace where you can um, exchange one good for another. Yeah. And I think a lot of the people that I've introduced to cryptocurrency are a little surprised at, oh, like this is this doesn't have to look like a, a Bloomberg terminal with charts and graphs and uh, like order books and uh, green and red signals and yeah. candlesticks. It's like, no, you Black don't need... screen. Exactly. With numbers moving up and down. Yeah. You don't need to even really pay attention to, to any of that stuff to uh, to engage on an exchange in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it, it Lots of these newer exchanges uh, make cryptocurrency quite simple, and uh, you can now buy Bitcoin at a, at a click of a button. Yeah. So based on where you are in the world, we can recommend exchanges accordingly. Uh, one... One thing that you want to make sure uh, you choose in the exchange that you're looking at is liquidity. And essentially what liquidity means is uh, how easy is it going to be for you to exchange your government money for Bitcoin? And the, the answer to that question is, okay, how many people are using this exchange? That's what determines the liquidity is. Um, how easy is it going to be? How fast is it going to be for you to make that swap happen? Did you want to add to that definition, Keegan? No, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah, one of the easiest ways is to get it from an exchange. We would also say one of the cheapest ways. There are other ways, for example, an ATM, but ATMs charge hefty fees in order for you to do this. But if you have nothing around you, then that's also an option. 
So this question is, how do I buy Bitcoin? But I also want to draw attention to the fact that that's not the only way you can acquire Bitcoin. Uh, the other way that you can buy Bitcoin is by selling your time. In other words, you can work in exchange for Bitcoin. You can get paid in Bitcoin. Uh, and that's I think that's something that we're going to see happen a lot more uh, frequently in 2021, as, in 2021, but also just in the next decade as as Bitcoin grows and as it becomes a, a trusted or as a standard medium of exchange, uh, more companies will probably be offering, hey, do you want to see receive 5% of your paycheck in Bitcoin or 100% even? I know that uh, Kraken does that, for example. That's a That's a Bitcoin exchange, by the way, Kraken. And they pay their employees in Bitcoin or at least give the option to. And so they're not buying Bitcoin from the company. They're trading their time in exchange for money in the form of Bitcoin. And that's another way that you can acquire it. There you go. So how do I buy Bitcoin? Through an exchange, through an ATM, two of the simplest ways. Or you can ask your employer to pay you in Bitcoin. <laughs> that might be a harder option. And, um, you know, if you want to go for it, we encourage you. Yeah. The second question was sent to us by Sarah, and the question goes, why 21 million? And, and that refers to Bitcoin. Like, yeah, why, why is 21 there 21 million, million Bitcoin? Bitcoin? So for those who didn't know, there is only 21 million Bitcoin. You, you can't increase that number. You can't decrease that number. And by you, you mean no one. Like, there is not a person on Earth, one person on Earth that can, can do that. You know what? If everybody decides to do it, I can see how it can be reflected in the code base. But I just don't think that everyone can reach consensus to follow this. Right. It's an extremely impractical uh, outcome. Yeah, it's, it's either everyone or no one. That's right. kind of the answer. But but that's still on how, how 21 million changing the number would be possible. Why 21 million, however, has a different answer. Do you remember, Keegan, you read that analogy about there's only... Uh, like 21 million something of gold and that's how the number was derived uh, uh well yeah satoshi nakamoto was thinking about mirroring mirroring that's a that's a tough word uh the amount of bitcoin after gold so yeah there's 21 cubic meters of gold on the planet and that's basically all there is that uh, the way that you want to think about that is in terms of Olympic-sized swimming pools. So it's about three Olympic-sized swimming pools filled with gold. That's how much gold there is on the planet. But that's uh, that's kind of, kind of an aside. Uh, the, it, it mirrors it, but not exactly, right? Because gold, there's who knows how much gold there's going to be in the future. We might find an asteroid and figure out how to go mine, mine it and then bring the gold back. And then there's suddenly you know, a lot more gold. On I don't Earth. know why someone would be incentivized to do that, though. Well, the gold on the asteroid would be worth the expense of the trip. Or, uh, mm, sure. Well, gold's, gold's a really great conductor of electricity. And like, oh, yeah, that's true. one of the reasons why we don't use it in all of our electronics is because, because it's, it's so, so scare. Yeah, exactly. And it's inexpensive. But if we've got an asteroid full of gold, maybe we can go mine that gold and use it in electronics. Sure, it might drive the price of the gold down because suddenly there's an abundance of it. But it would still, uh, well, it would make our electronics better. We'd be able to build better equipment. Faster. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't think we answered the 21 million question yet, though. <laughs> well, I was always under the impression that it was mirroring the scarcity aspect of gold. And since Bitcoin is dubbed as digital gold, I thought it was a pretty good um, reference to draw from. But do you do what is like why 21 million? 
Yeah, it's there's actually nowhere in the code base that says like two one zero 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 zero. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no right nowhere on. that Satoshi stamped the number twenty one million. It's actually a byproduct of the mining algorithm, and like this very simply, every ten minutes, some amount of Bitcoin leaks into existence. Every four years, that number decreases by half. And if you follow that out, um, follow that whole formula out, basically in twenty the year twenty one forty, there'll be all the Bitcoin will be mined. Uh, and the amount of Bitcoin that will be in existence after following that algorithm all the way through is 21 million. So it's rather, it's like, it's more so a byproduct. A derivative. Of the way that the network yeah. was designed rather than like a stamp saying there's 21 million. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for enlightening me. I didn't know that. Oh, cool. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I learned something new today. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> okay. So the next question is, is it too late to buy Bitcoin? This has been asked to us by several people. We've also dedicated uh, an entire episode to it. The answer is no. Cool. All moving right. on. <laughs> no, Do you have okay. another answer? Uh, no, it's... Um, I, I would say, like, ask us. Because if you're listening to, the, to this... Uh, to this podcast in maybe August of 2021, uh, it may be worth asking us, hey, is it too late to buy Bitcoin? Because the, the answer may differ wherever we might be in the current Bitcoin cycle. That's true. Well, you know, the general answer as to is it too late to buy Bitcoin can be based on where we are in the time cycle. But sorry, sorry, no. Um, the general answer is no, it's not too late to buy Bitcoin because the question is, what is your reason for buying Bitcoin? Do you and what's want, your time horizon? And do you want to opt out of your current investments or your current money and invest your wealth into a different, better form of hard money, hard money that is self-sovereign uh, and globally distributed? Then it's never too late to buy Bitcoin. Right. If, that, if, if that's, that's your reason. Exactly. I agree. So, and then, like Keegan said, if you are thinking you're doing this in 2021, Come talk to us and we'll guide you through it. This is what we do. Yeah. So there we go. And I forget which exactly that episode was. Was it like 26, 27? You can look back. You'll find it. It's titled, Is It Too Late to Buy Bitcoin? Yeah, cool. All right. The next question was, how does mining work? And this was asked to us by Dave and several of our family members over Christmas time. <laughs> so yeah. um, how does mining work? All right. To put it really simply, there's these computers around the world that are working together in order to produce one block. That one block, in order to produce it, these computers are mining. Wow, that was a really... <laughs> oh my gosh. I was happy to see was, where you're going to yeah, go with this. Never mind. I, I, I thought it was fine. Okay. Yeah, these computers are mining, but like, what is, what is what does that mean? How does mining work? Yeah, it, basically the network produces a difficult question. And these computers yeah. are guessing randomly at this difficult question. I know that's super abstract I, and we usually yeah, try to stay away from that, but like that is directly what's happening. This is true. I feel, yeah, this question needs some more explanation. I tried to make it very simple, but... Well, in episode five of the Go Full Crypto <laughs> podcast, we are, it's titled... We've dedicated to How it. How does Bitcoin mining work? And that's actually a pretty good in-depth explanation of it. Uh, usually we, we refer to it as like, the, the point of mining is to produce blocks for the Bitcoin blockchain. What do blocks contain? Blocks contain transactions. transactions. Why do blocks contain transactions? And why are blocks produced every 10 minutes? Well, it's like all these computers 
are run by people who don't speak the same language, by people all over the world in different geographic locations. And how do you get them all to agree on what took place in the last 10 minutes? And that is the point of mining. The whole point of the mining process is for one of those computers to solve that difficult problem and prove that they have been doing uh, the, the, the processing of the transactions. And so it's called proof of work. And I know that we're just super in the weeds now, but that's that's the gist of it. Yeah, well, I'm thinking of it in terms of uh, the analogy of how miners in real life work when they want to mine gold. And I just imagine the scenario, someone with a, an axe, what's, what's it called, a pickaxe? The yeah, one a that, pickaxe. A pickaxe? Yep. Yep. Is it pickaxe, really? It's a pickaxe. Wow, that's a really interesting word. So imagine 10 people mining in ore, right? And uh, this is an analogy for Bitcoin mining. So stay with me here. This, I'm going to try hard for this one. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with so you. So there's, there's 10 actual miners with a pickaxe all mining at this ore. And on average, in, in like after 10 minutes, one miner strikes um, an ore that has gold in it. Cool, keep going. Right, okay, yep. cool. So then now out of these 10 miners, there's only one miner who strikes gold. And that gold, they get to keep it. So once they get to keep it, everyone's like, okay, let's keep going. Uh, there's these 10 miners again. They keep picking at wherever they are, picking at the ore. Um, and on average, in the next 10 minutes, another miner also gets to discover gold. Now the situation changes when um, among these 10 miners, if there's one miner who is stronger and has the capacity to... Um, um, pick out this soil twice as fast, then they are more likely to find more ore. And, th and that analogy is kind of like this. Our computers that we have, like my, our MacBook Pros, they're not, they're like the one miner, the one miner with the one pickaxe that, uh, and, and then... Or like a weaker miner. A weaker miner, exactly. And then the warehouse of computers that's sitting in Iceland and China and like these super jacked up warehouses with tons and tons of miners. That's like a really strong miner. Exactly. And they have a higher likelihood of producing the next block and thus being a rewarded reward. yeah. with, uh, with Bitcoin. There you go. How does mining work? Several analogies there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, listen to our first episode because we, we dedicate an entire episode to it. And that would be, that would give you more insight into this answer. That's right. All right, the next question was sent to us by Jenna, and it was, can I take Bitcoin and convert it into US dollars? And I mean, if you are in Australia, then you can you can ask the same question, but instead of USD, it's AUD. And yes, so can I take Bitcoin and convert it into US dollars or whatever the currency? Yes, you can. It's the same way that you convert your US dollar into Bitcoin. You use an exchange. Now that's a two-way exchange as well. You can sell your US dollars to buy Bitcoin, or you can sell your Bitcoin to buy US dollars. Now, with the marketplace, the farmer's market example that Keegan talked about earlier, it's kind of funny to think of, but it's like if you buy uh, a dozen tomatoes for $2, you know, that's like buying Bitcoin. Uh, but then you can also give the tomatoes back and get $2 to the same person. It's kind of like a refund, I guess, in a farmer's market. But that's essentially what an exchange allows is the same thing. 
backwards. Just a two-way exchange. Yeah. So can you do it? Yes, you can. Would you want to? (laughs) That's the next question I would ask. Like, why would you ever want to do that? Bitcoin's but, great and US dollars is not. It depends not on the so. reasons, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just I'm being <laughs> very facetious. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Cool. The next question was sent to us by Harish, by Fabian and Pooja and several others. And it was, can I actually spend my Bitcoin? Again, I would start this. I would ask a counter question immediately as like, why would you want to? Why would you want to spend your Bitcoin? But uh, again, if you have reasons to do so. Uh, like, for example, maybe Bitcoin is the only kind of money that you're using. And then, of course, you have to spend your Bitcoin because you don't hold any other kind of currency. And so is there an, a way for you to spend your Bitcoin in that in that instance? Yeah. Yeah, sure. You can get uh, a Bitcoin credit card or Bitcoin Visa debit card that allows you to spend like swipe your card at any terminal. And then Bitcoin comes off your balance and the merchant receives wh- whatever currency they're expecting. May that be. Canadian dollar, US dollar, Indian rupee, whatever. So that's that's possible. And then, of course, if the merchant that you're dealing with uh, is willing to accept Bitcoin, that's that's also a way to do it. So that's actually probably the easiest way. Yeah. There you go. Can you spend your Bitcoin? Yes, you can. All right. <laughs> I think we actually had an episode on that as well. Uh, yeah, we did. I don't remember which. I think it was episode. called Should You Spend Your Bitcoin? <laughs> Okay, there you go. You can go back and uh, listen to it. <laughs> wow, we've done a lot of episodes. I don't remember what we've really talked about. Um, good memory there, Keegan. All right, so the next question was, can I just give you money to invest in Bitcoin for me? And <laughs> this is actually also asked to us by several people that we've uh, in- consulted with in our initial cons- consultation to craft your crypto strategy. And unfortunately, the answer is no. And the, we tell you the reason for this answer. We are talking about this money that is self-sovereign. We're talking about you taking back control of your wealth and your finances and your money that you think you have control over when you put it, say, in a bank, for example. So if you want us to invest on your behalf, I mean, great, we've probably would love well not probably we'd love to take that responsibility but no that's we want to teach you the responsibility of taking back control of your money so we're not going to do that because we want to empower you with the knowledge to do that for yourself yeah so if you decide that okay yeah i do want to get into cryptocurrency and opt out of my bank well if you then give that trust to us, then we are becoming your bank. Exactly. And that's, that's not exactly, well, that's not what we want to do. We, we, we could, we would like to, if we, if that's possible, and maybe that's a situation that, uh, that would work for, for some individuals. Uh, but I think it's just, it's better if you first learn how to be self-sovereign with your money, how to be independent, uh, and self-empowered with, uh, with knowing how to manage your own, own finances. And I think, the banks have kind of uh, haphazardly taken that that knowledge away from us over the years. I, I think, like, for example, I got my bank account when I was five or six, and I didn't really learn about money management because the bank, that was the bank's job. But now I hold the belief that, no, look, it is actually my individual responsibility to take care of my wealth, grow my wealth, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So we want you, we want to teach you how you can be your own bank and we'll handhold you through the process. 
but we won't take your money for you and hold it for you because then you're just switching from one um, custodian to another. <laughs> and we essentially want you to be your own custodian when it comes to your money. So there we go. We will not take your money to invest it for you. Um, the next question is, won't the governments ban Bitcoin eventually? And this is sent to us by Darcy. I love this question. Won't the governments ban Bitcoin eventually? So recently, there's a there's a cryptocurrency out there that people ask us all the time. It's Ripple. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, there's three cryptocurrencies that people ask us about most often. It's Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Ripple. And they're actually like top one, two, and three. Ripple no longer. But uh, so recently... There's a, a regulatory body in the United States called the SEC, the Securities and Exchanges Commission. Uh, and their job is to kind of look at these assets, these investment assets, and determine whether or not the companies behind them are breaking any rules. And they, they determined that the company behind Ripple was breaking some rules, and they handed them a $1.3 billion lawsuit, to which a bunch of crypto exchanges delisted Ripple, and so you've got all these issues with uh, with Ripple now. And the question is, won't the governments ban Bitcoin eventually? And so in the past, yeah, governments have tried to do that. Korea had a, South, South Korea had a, a ban on Bitcoin for a while. China had a ban on Bitcoin for a while. India goes back and forth. They flip flop. I have to like constantly been reading uh, Indian news to know whether or not they've got a ban on Bitcoin at this current Point in time. They don't right now. They Just don't right now. <laughs> so the point here is that they can try to ban Bitcoin, but it's never been effective in any country anywhere. A Bitcoin ban has never worked. It's never stopped anyone from acquiring it in any way, shape or form. And the reason why I brought up Ripple is because, well, there was a company that guides or is in charge or is responsible for furthering Ripple, the cryptocurrency. But zero people, zero companies, zero organizations, zero governments in the world are responsible for furthering the mission of Bitcoin or the purpose of Bitcoin. And so, you know, I, I kind of made this joke on Twitter the other day. I saw this tweet and said something along the lines of uh, Ripple got slapped with a, a lawsuit. And I was like, cool. When will Bitcoin be next? Dot, dot, dot. Never. Bitcoin will never be next. Bitcoin is not able to be on the recipient, the receiving side of a lawsuit. You can't sue Bitcoin, but you can sue Ripple. So, yeah, many other cryptocurrencies may get banned or uh, have some regulations placed on them. But Bitcoin is somehow exempt from that. From, uh, well, not somehow. It is exempt because yeah. there is no central body that governs it. It's everybody. It's everybody who decides to take part in the Bitcoin network. It's the miners that are maintaining the network all around the world. The the currency, Bitcoin, gets free marketing Billions all around the world. Worth. Billions of dollars worth of marketing. People have put Bitcoin on the sides of buses and there's billboards and people wear t-shirts. We wear Bitcoin masks and there's no one who's told us, hey, you should, um, you should advertise Bitcoin because it'll do you good. We just do it because... We believe we like in Bitcoin, Bitcoin and yeah. we yeah, we're, we we talk about things that we like about and like sorry and I actually had a different question to this sorry, different answer to this question. Won't the government ban Bitcoin eventually? My answer is so what? Yeah, exactly. What if what if they do? I mean that that has to speak more to the intention behind the government banning Bitcoin. Because why? Why would they? What is the reason? And even and if could they, they could they and even if they did, yeah, so what? 
you're just gonna have to be covert about it i for possibly and you might say well wouldn't you wanna um uh mm, follow the authority I, I would i would question it tell me why tell me why you're asking me not to use bitcoin tell me why you're saying i can't do a particular thing with my money and if you have a sound answer then sure i listen to you but if you don't have a sound answer if you just want to maintain capital control over me, then I don't like that. So right. I'm not going to listen to you tell me to not use Bitcoin. So there actually, I'm going to take us back in history a little bit. I believe it was 1933 and there was Executive Order 6102 in the United States where they, uh, they declared that if you were owning gold, uh, that you needed to go to the nearest bank and turn it in. So the United States was collecting up all the gold, and this was right after the the Great Depression, and so they sort of made it illegal to hold, hold gold. gold, right? And Bitcoin, as many people will know, is digital gold. So would they maybe do the same thing? Would the government maybe say, okay, if you're holding Bitcoin, you got to send it to this address. If we catch you holding Bitcoin, then you'll face a, a fine and, and maybe jail time. That's that's what they said in 1933. You'd face a fine and maybe some jail time. And that's that's kind of crazy. I could see them doing that, but there's really no great way for them to connect, uh, like me as a Bitcoin owner, with with each and every one of the addresses that I might own that has Bitcoin in them. They yeah. might be able to do that with a, a few of them, and but man, that, that I think that would just be such an ugly situation for any country to have to do that, and a logistical nightmare. By it the way, it would be, and I, I don't think it would be great. Because all of the Bitcoiners would flee. I would flee. I wouldn't want to live in a place where yeah. they say, hey. Agreed. You're going to go to jail if you don't turn in your Bitcoin. I'd be like, what? This is, I mean, I live in a dem democratic country. And this, what, what sort of democracy is this? Where you're allowing me to, or you're going to uh, put me in jail for doing something that I want to do. Right. That, that isn't harming anyone. It is, I have opted into preserving my money in an asset and you're saying I can't do that, then okay, cool. Then I won't be here yeah, and I'll living in else. near country. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't, I don't see how a government can do that. Like the time to do this has passed. We are seeing so much in institutional investors or so much, so many institutions investing in Bitcoin and converting their cash reserves into Bitcoin or um, as of recently, Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategy, was talking to Elon Musk on Twitter about uh, Elon Musk converting some of his company's balance sheet into Bitcoin. So I think the time has passed. It is too late. And yet we only see 1.3% of the world's population having adopted Bitcoin. So, you know, going back to the answer of is it too late to buy Bitcoin? No, because you would still be in the 1.3% of the world's population that has decided to opt into this self-sovereign hard money. So you're still super early. One of the ways that I've uh, I've heard this talked about, like whether or not governments can actually feasibly ban Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency, uh, but let's just talk about Bitcoin. They've talked about it in terms of escape velocity, which I, I thought was a really clever way to describe whether or not it can uh, it can be banned. So escape velocity is like you launch a rocket into space and when it achieves escape velocity, like that rocket is going into outer space, it's going into orbit. Like uh, the Earth's gravity cannot pull that rocket ship back down because it has achieved escape velocity. And Bitcoin, that, that's what you basically just said. It's too late. It's too late for them to actually implement a, a reasonable, functional, meaningful ban. In that sense, Bitcoin has achieved escape velocity. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. 
Fantastic. So the last question. That nope, there's two more. The last question. I don't see the nine the and ten. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, the second last <laughs> question is: uh, Is it safe to enter my banking and personal information into Bitcoin exchanges? This is sent to us by Shira, and the answer to this question is yes and no. Um, is it safe? No, it is not safe based on the exchange that you choose because there are exchanges that are set up solely for the purposes of scamming you into belief that you can trust them. And then once you've entered your bank information in them, that might be the all end of, need. yeah, all of the need to enter or steal your know, money, steal your your money in some way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then is it safe again? Yes, it can be. If you choose the exchanges that have the best security practices in place. The most reputable ones. The most reputable ones, the ones that have been in it for a long time. Now, I can't really say that because that means new exchanges that also have a really good um, track record of people running it, um, then you're not giving them a chance. So we would just say when you want to choose an exchange, make sure you do research on how long they've been active, who is running them, where do they operate, how many users do they have on their exchange and just, you know, some more information like that. Ask another user, like if you can find a user that has used the exchange, maybe on Reddit or Telegram or some some other messaging platform, ask them what the experience is like. And don't just do that with one person, because for all you know, that could be uh, like a, re a representative of the scam or a representative of the exchange and they're biased and you need to like, validate multiple sources. So, I mean, the easiest way to determine whether or not it's safe to upload your information into a Bitcoin exchange is simply just to choose one of the most, like the larger, more reputable, highly respected, and the ones that implement the best security. That would be a, a, like a, a flat yes, basically. Yes, it's safe to, like I enter my banking and personal information. I upload my driver's license, my passport to a number of these exchanges, but really only the ones that I've deemed to be reputable. All right, the last question. How do I manage multiple Bitcoin wallets at a time? This was sent to us by Jordan. Sorry, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, why would you have multiple Bitcoin wallets? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm thinking like five or six. Um, so, yeah, okay, I just got confused. Well, let's just but... talk about our situation. We, we've All got right, a yeah. cold storage wallet. Uh, and that is like for our long-term Bitcoin stash. We have a, a number of accounts on various exchanges and that's that can be considered a Bitcoin wallet. It's a it's a custodial Bitcoin wallet in the sense that uh, someone else is custodying our Bitcoin for us because we're doing other things with it, like earning interest on it or taking a loan out against it. And then we have some Bitcoin kind of sitting in a, a, a non-custodial wallet that we might use for like day-to-day -day expenditures or uh, we pay our contractors sometimes in Bitcoin and that's that's what we use that Bitcoin for. So. How do I manage that? How do we manage that? We use a password manager for the sites, for the websites that custody our Bitcoin. We uh, we write down the public keys slash the private keys for the uh, the other Bitcoin wallets that we have, and we stick them in an envelope. And that's that's a good way to way to do things because, well, yeah, yeah. If your computers all like go up in smoke, you kind of want to have that access stored somewhere. Right on. <laughs> Thank you for. Um elaborating our situation. So I would say that it really depends on what your reason for having multiple yeah. um, places to store your Bitcoin is. And based on that, the way that you manage it can change. We've just told you about our situation. And if you need help with your situation, just 
get in touch with us at ready@gofundcrypto.com. Perhaps one of the better ways to answer this question is to say not. How, how not to manage your, your Bitcoin wallets, right? So for example, do not put your private keys or your 12 word phrase on Google Drive or don't send it on an email or don't keep it in a or note in, in Messenger. Right. Yeah, or on a sticky note. Yeah, don't. <laughs> all of those <laughs> things are desk. bad. Yeah, exactly. So th I think that actually helps for like, this is kind of a tricky question because it really it's situationally dependent. Whoever you are as an individual will dictate how you should be managing your multiple wallets. But we can definitely say, uh, don't do those things that we just mentioned. All right. So those are some of the 10 questions that, that we can picked for this particular episode that all of you have sent to us in the last year. Anytime you have questions, don't or don't hesitate or feel free to send them to us at ready at GoFull Crypto or tweet them at us at GoFull Crypto on Twitter. Uh, besides that, if you need help with figuring out your strategy for getting into cryptocurrencies, again, <laughs> you know who to contact. That's us, Egan and myself. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Happy birthday to Bitcoin and stay tuned. <laughs>